0: Alive and Kicking
1: with Claire McKenna
0: on News Talk
1: You can email the show alive and kicking at newstalk.com or find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Claire's Lair. Coming up this morning. Joanne McNally presented a documentary a few years back called Baby Hater, a term that was levelled at a woman featuring in the doc who had said, like Joanne at the time, that she didn't think she wanted kids. Well, Joanne has decided to hedge her bets and freeze her eggs. She joins me to discuss fertility, the biological clock, and how she's feeling now her years of grafting and talent are finally paying off with lots of gigs and success. And someone else flying high is show favourite Neil Omuraku. He's been on a couple of times. He got me into an ice bath using the Wim Hof breath work. He's a practitioner of Wim Hof's at level three, a breath expert, and he's just released his first book, Blissful Breath, 10 minutes of daily breathing exercises that will change your life. He'll join me later to talk about learning how to breathe properly, first with a monk, then getting... That highest award from Wim Hof himself and how his advice is just for every day, getting through life, people and anyone can do it. So what kind of a health and wellness week did I have? Well, lads, I'm not great. I'd have to admit I'm in the realm of negative antigen land. So that's a positive step. I've ventured out of my room, but I still feel pretty carpy. I'm at the stage of wondering, will this ever end? Why do we always do that? Or is it just me when we're sick? I do it anyway. I wonder if I'll ever feel the same again and if I ever fully appreciated my health when I had it. I just settled for a clear head at the minute. And Yesterday was my first day of freedom and I did a couple of things. Um, the post office collected the kids from school and as I got out of my car, there's a small fence beside where you park the car and I saw another mum friend there. So I scaled over the fence In the rain to go chat to her and I fell and I've damaged my inner thigh quite extensively. So I'm taking it as a sign from the universe that I need to retreat a while longer and continue to rest a little bit more this weekend. I actually hate that. I think it's a really important part of recovering from being sick is to take your time getting back to things. And I suppose with COVID... When you get the negative antigen test, it's like, yeah, let's let's just get back to normal life. Whereas once you can still hear it in my voice, which I probably think you can, it's still lingering. I'm not contagious, but it's still there. So I'm just going to have to woe back and cool the jets. I'm tipping away at work stuff, planning a few days with the kids next week who are off for midterm. And hopefully with that, with sleep, decent food, etc., I'll be back fighting fit soon. But falling is bonkers as an adult, isn't it? It's so infrequent that you're quite shook after it. And it always makes me think how limited my sympathy is for my own kids when they fall. I mean, don't get me wrong. I do hug them and we have a box of plasters there for cut knees and all that carry on. But I mainly come on now, you're grand. It's grand. Get back out running there again. Whereas it'll be a while before I'll be running again. I can tell you that. And I got a text and then I, I rang a friend during the week when I found out that an old friend of ours had died. We had fallen out of touch with each other. He wasn't on social media anymore and I didn't have his number, but I never forgot about him. I knew that he'd had some struggles and I always thought of him and wished him well. And now he's no longer here. I wish I'd gotten his number, met him for a walk, rang him for a chat, let him know how much I cared. I hope that he knew. So I suppose I'm saying, if you have someone like that in your life, I'm sure you can relate. Life can be busy and we move on, but life and time is so precious. So I hope wherever you are at, you are doing okay. I'm hoping you're happy to see the end of masks in many settings, at least. It's strange, isn't it? You'd think we'd be celebrating in the streets the end of COVID, says she with covid tail end but it's an anticlimax almost isn't it i mean none of us wanted to hang around but we're not celebrating i think the way we thought it just crept in and now it's it's over but it's it's not over it took me ages to get my head around the fact that they're not really doing PCR tests anymore that you just register your antigen online um and with the mask thing even for the last week sitting in bed watching stuff on the iPad every time there's a group scene I'm like you know where's their masks what are they doing like our brains are so in tune to the restrictions that it's actually takes a bit of getting your head used to to live without them but I hope you are okay with it all Uh, the news at the minute is kind of tough the Ukraine Prince Andrew even Kim Yee there is much to process remember there is still so much good out there and remember to breathe you can email the show alive And speaking of breathing Neil O'Muricu of Breathe With Neil is a favourite of mine on the show One of my first adventures out and about when I started presenting this show was to jump into an ice bath following Wim Hof Breath techniques in Neil's own house and back garden and since then he's come back on the show and I've become a regular at his events which he holds around the country himself and his wife Josie are absolute gems he's also highly qualified and he's just released his first book the blissful breath 10 minutes of daily exercise that will change your life and he is on the line now hello Neil how does it feel to have your own book in your hand ready to unleash
0: to the world uh, i must say it's, it's a very exciting moment uh when the books arrived i got some advanced copies in the post during the week and to see something that started as just an idea uh you know move through all the different phases and arrived then as a physical thing that I you know that i feel will really help people uh yeah very proud and excited to see it
1: um and people will be surprised at just how powerful our breath is i mean I didn't know it either. It sounds like a nice thing to do in inverted commas. And and why wouldn't you do it? And I think people are aware that, you know, a good deep breath will help in a stressful situation. But looking at the chapters of your book, stress, focus, immunity, anxiety, performance, energy, sleep, mood, recovery. I mean, is there anything the breath can do?
0: Well, really, if we if we look at the different parts of our life, our breath is with us all the time. It's like this companion that's always there. And if we were to, you know, to map out how we are breathing during the day and then to map out how we're feeling, they're both things that are incredibly closely linked. So no matter what we're trying to get better at or improve or something that we're struggling with by improving our breathing, we're going to improve whatever that is. As you said, you can see the, the different chapter titles there, you know, and they range from anxiety to performance. No matter what we're trying to do, if we take control of our breath and just learn to use it in a way that's a force for good in our lives, we can bring about huge transformation.
1: Because in the book, you talk about how our breath is controlled by our autonomic nervous system, which means it happens automatically in the same way as our heart beats and blood flows. It's not something we have to actively think about, but we can flip that a little bit, can't we? I mean. Are we all breathing correctly once you're functioning and alive? Is that enough?
0: I think um, what you say is right. So we, we can breathe a lot without even having to think about it, which is a good thing because, um, you know, it keeps us alive. But what I've found is that when we're under pressure, our breathing starts to become erratic. And if that pressure continues over a long period of time, like hours or days or weeks or years even or even decades, then the rhythm, how we breathe, is totally out of balance. And for years, maybe even 20 years, I was probably breathing up into my, breathing in my chest, really shallow breathing, um, panicked kind of breathing, just because of I didn't know how to breathe properly and the pressure I was, I was facing. So if we're not paying attention to our breathing, the likelihood is that we probably are breathing a little bit erratically. And that just a few moments, just f- focusing on our breath and trying to bring our breath down into our belly and starting to breathe from our belly will help us feel calm and bring about really great improvements in our health and in our ability to deal with stress and anxiety and, and even sleep and mood. So yes, we don't have to think about our breathing a lot, but by b- focusing on our breathing just for a few minutes every day, it. It totally changes how the body breathes and it can bring about these great, great benefits.
1: And you do go into your own personal journey with breath in the book, because I think that's important. People will look at you and go, well, that's all well and good for you. You big Zen warrior, Wim (laughs) Hof's best mate. You know, you're well able for this, but you spent a lot of your time wheezing around the place, you say.
0: Yeah, I, I had asthma for a long time. And, you know, when I look back at it now, a lot of that was to do with the fact that I wasn't breathing correctly. And through my journey of, of experimentation over many, many years, trying to find people who knew how to breathe properly, trying to experiment with different techniques, traveling to all these places like India and Sri Lanka and China, and, and looking for the answers. Slowly, slowly, I began to see how we should be breathing. and started to practice and then started to teach and 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 through that process of just coming back to how we breathe naturally if you watch a child breathe they breathe fully they breathe naturally and as i said as we become a little bit more self-conscious a little bit more pressure starts to pile on top of us we begin to lose that natural way of breathing so just coming back to that natural way of breathing and as part of that the wheezing stopped um you know maybe it was in a way it was it was a, a little my body talking to me saying look pay more attention to this and and ironically then that's you know that's how i spend all my time now is is practicing breathing and teaching breathing
1: so we didn't actually start with wim hof it started with a, a monk tell us a bit about that
0: yeah so in my early 20s um i was uh hugely involved in martial arts and i heard That you know, in in China there's this very famous place called the Shaolin Temple. And, you know, they would claim that all martial arts spring from this temple and it's been there for three or four thousand years. And I heard that the abbot of that temple was sending Shifu Yanzi, who is this world combat champion and also a Buddhist monk, to London to set up the first official branch of the Shaolin Temple. Um, So that was an inspiration to go and move to London and uh, train with Chief Yanzi. And of course, as part of that training, I actually went to learn how to fight and they taught me how to breathe and how to meditate. The fighting was, was kind of a distant third. But as part of that process, I really started to see that no matter how much pressure we were under in our training or outside in the cold, that by bringing our attention back to our breathing, we could change nearly immediately how we were feeling. We could feel restored after a few minutes of breathing. And for me, that was that was a revelation. That was really the beginning of of me understanding how important the breath was to our physical health, to our mental health, to our to our emotional heart and to much deeper part to us as well.
1: So the title of the book is The Blissful Breath, 10 Minutes of Daily Breathing Exercises That Will Change Your Life. Were you very conscious of making it accessible and easy? I mean, is 10 minutes enough or are you just trying to think of something that people will actually do?
0: I think the focus for something like a breathing practice, it has to be incredibly simple and it has to be something that people can do really easily without too much thought and without too much commitment to it at the beginning. Um, You know, As we said before, our body breathes first about 20,000 times a day. So I think somewhere in us, we have this idea that, look, oh, I'm breathing. It's, you know, I don't, why would I ever sit down to do an extra piece of breathing? I think that's what we're kind of struggling with, uh, you know, internally. So when I was looking to write the book, I wanted to make it as simple as possible for people. Um, And I would even say that, yeah, 10 minutes is great, but even a minute, even two, three minutes is also great. By focusing on our breath, we immediately start to change how we're feeling. And so the book is written in a way that it's it's the minute you pick up the book, all you're doing is reading and breathing. The breathing exercises are written into the book. So it's not something you necessarily have to put down and go off and do some breathing exercise and come back. I wrote the book with somebody on a train in mind, and they can just read along on the train or wherever they are, and the exercises are within the words. So as they are reading, they're breathing. So you kind of continue on this path through the book. And as you get more used to breathing, it becomes more of a habit. And by the end of the book, then you have then this habit of breathing for about, you know, maybe 10 minutes every day. And you also have those deep, profound benefits.
1: Do you think you're preaching to a more captive audience, though? I mean, you're right. People are busy and we need to try and think of people fitting it into their their busy lives. But even in the book, you talk about the lockdown coming in and a lot of your live events obviously being cancelled, but all of a sudden you started to be contacted by companies who had staff members working from home who were stressed out, worried, and they were coming to you knowing that breathwork could help. Have you found over the years since you started on this journey and started in this work that more and more people are opening their their eyes and and, and open to this kind of thing?
0: Yeah, I think it's the book and, and, you know, what it's trying to do for people is at the right time um, in the right place, really, because at the moment, as as we're kind of coming out of different versions of, of lockdowns and pandemics, I think people have had time to reevaluate a lot of things and have been looking for answers. And and a lot of people have found that something as simple as breathing could be the answer to some of their problems. And, you know, so I, you know, the, the people who are listening now are probably more open to something like this than maybe two or three years ago. And I think, um, there's been a general shift towards people swimming in the sea, people looking to nature, people looking for answers within themselves and of course you know the deepest the deepest answer we can we can find is is that breath that's moving in us right now
1: i've even noticed i mean i've gone to some of your events whim rise highly recommend love it and every time i go to one of them i i see more and more people arriving it's it's not niche it's popular And it's a real cross-section of society, all different shapes, sizes, colours, creeds. And I think it's really, really incredible to see. You're listening to Alive and Kicking on News Talk with Claire McKenna, and I'm talking to breath expert Neil O'Muraku about his new book, The Blissful Breath, 10 minutes of daily exercise that will change your life. So when did Wim Hof come into the whole thing? I mean, he's really the the king of breath in, in many ways, isn't he? What he can do with breath really... It sent people into a a tizzy um, (laughs) on the power of the breath so how did your time with him come about
0: yeah so Wim for me came about at at a very important time um I had been studying and practicing breathing and meditation and things like that for a very long time and um you know during a, a time of real struggle for myself my wife Josie um, we were exhausted and under pressure and dealing with grief and 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 a few things like that and I heard Wim speaking on a podcast and you know for me what Wim was talking about was what really I had been missing so far in in all the different practices and it was this simple just cutting straight to the source way of of improving our health and our mood and our strength and of course Wim's um breathing techniques are you know, really well known now. And, and obviously WIM and using the cold as a force for good is is becoming much, much more popular. So my time at WIM, I went to train with WIM and um, I've been lucky enough to teach alongside WIM and, and to have to watch somebody who is really a master of, of themselves, firstly, of their own body and their own mind, but also a master of breathing and a master of, of the power of the mind. It's such a privilege to learn from from someone like that.
1: I mean, you go walking up the snowy hills of Poland in nothing but a pair of shorts, jumping into ice rivers. We don't all have to get to that stage, although I have jumped into an ice bath in your backyard, <laughs> so I know it can be done. But can we talk a little bit about some of the, the breath work that you're suggesting to people? Uh, is there one of the exercises in the book that we could talk about now?
0: Yeah, Um like you said there just a moment ago, we don't all have to jump into rivers of ice or climb up mountains, snowy mountains in our shorts, or for that matter, breathe for 30, 40, 50 minutes a day. Really, all we need is a, a little small dose, a little microdose of breathing every day just to change how we're feeling. And that's really important when we're struggling with something or we feel stressed or anxious. So there's a very simple way of breathing called vagus nerve breathing. That's how we refer to it in the book. And that type of breathing is so simple and we can use it anywhere under any type of pressure to help change how we're feeling in that moment. And the exercise is very simple. All we do is breathe gently in, but we focus on calmly breathing all the way out to the end of our exhale. And when we reach the bottom of that exhale, We just breathe gently in again. And we focus again on that long, slow exhale. And within about five of those breaths, focusing on that long exhale, incredible things start to happen in the body. The vagus nerve, that's what the breathing is named after, begins to activate and it drops the heart rate, makes the body feel calm, makes the body feel safe again and that is something that we can use in all types of circumstances under all types of pressure all we have to do is focus on that long calm exhale
1: i lean into that one loads of times mainly cuz i love the sound of the word vagus nerve it just conjures <laughs> up all kinds of delights in your mind um but if I have a stressful situation, if I can feel my heart racing about something, even sometimes before I'm about to go on air or or do yeah. something outside my comfort zone, I'll do three deep breaths. And even I'm telling myself this is activating my vagus yep. nerve. This is going to settle down my central nervous system. Even telling yourself that I know it's physically happening, but psychologically it's happening too. And I lean into that all of the time. What about the holding of the breath then? I know that's a quite a feature in the Wim Hof techniques. What, what's going on in the body then?
0: So the holding of the breath can be like a, um, it can be like something that breaks the pattern of what's going on inside our mind. So in the book as well, we look at um, different ways of using box breathing, which is breathing in and holding, breathing out and holding and that simple pattern of breathing again if we're very anxious about something and we are we are focusing on any you of know, the anxiety is our mind narrowing and our mind focusing on the worst case scenario and that's part of our response to stress our fight or flight reaction so in order to break that pattern of thinking the breath breathing in and holding for 3 seconds and breathing out and holding for 3 seconds it begins to change the chemistry in the in, in the body and in the brain. And by doing that, it begins to open our mind back up again, move us out of that sense of panic and anxiety and fear. And it then brings us back to a point where we're feeling safe again. And, and, our, and we can begin to see, like you were saying, before you go on air, for example, if you were to do a kind of breath hold and, and slow breathing, if you begin to see then the entire picture, you begin to see a way to deal with whatever problem you're facing. And I think that's very important for people who are feeling anxious, for example, or very worried about something.
1: And I think people get overwhelmed by talk of mindfulness, meditation. I know even I do sometimes. And I think to know that All you have to do is take a big, deep breath and you can really make a difference to your life. It takes you out of your head and into your body. And when I did a mindfulness course, when she said the body is always present. So by coming back into your body, you are living in the present. It was like a light bulb went off. I kind of got that and I could identify with that. So that's what we have. We can do it in the car. We can do it sitting on the bus. Like you said, we can do it just falling asleep knit it into your life start small and you will begin to feel better
0: yeah and i think what you're saying there is is exactly right the starting small is so important and that's what the the that the theme running through this book is you know the first page of the blissful breath introduces us to this idea and then it's just all we have to do is just read the book and in there We follow the path in there is the small piece of breathing taking us a little deeper in there is the next exercise taking us a little deeper. And it's it's really it's breathing without effort. It's just reading and breathing.
1: And I know you recorded the exercises, so they're available as well. If people want to breathe along with you, the book is called The Blissful Breath. Ten minutes of daily breathing exercises that will change your life. Neil Omuraku Fantastic to see your star continue to ascend. Thank you for writing this book and for talking to me today.
0: It has been my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me.
1: Coming up after the break, Joanne McNally on being top of her game and freezing her eggs.
0: Alive and kicking with Claire McKenna on News Talk.
1: You're welcome back to Alive and Kigging. Now, Joanne McNally is everywhere at the moment, in a good way. TV shows, a hit podcast, sold out tours in Dublin, London. She's even starting to put out arena dates. People can't get enough of her, myself included. She's deadly, talented and has worked bloody hard to get to this point. This week, she was announced as an ambassador for therapy fertility and she joins me on the line now. Hello, Joanne. How are you? I'm good, Claire. How are you? I am good, thank you. So you are freezing your eggs? I am
2: freezing. Straight in. Straight in.
1: (laughs) No kissing.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I'm freezing my eggs. I think it's like, um, I've been been meaning to do it for a while, but I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a procrastinator. So it takes me a while to actually do things. And then therapy were on to me about being an ambassador for their fertility treatment. And I said, yes. Because I I have kind of, I have an interest in fertility, basically, because mine is running out. And then I was like, oh, actually, I'll freeze my eggs as part of it. Because,
1: I don't know, it feels like
2: kind of insurance, I
1: guess. Insurance. And do you reckon it's more common than we think? I mean, I heard you on your podcast with Vogue Williams there last week talking about it. And she's like, oh, my sister did it. And is it like Botox was a few years ago that, like, everybody's doing it and we're only starting to talk about it more now?
2: I was kind of surprised, actually, because when I said I was freezing mine, um, a couple of women I knew got in touch with me being like, oh, I've actually frozen mine. But they were telling me on the QT like it was, you know, private info. And I, of all the, like, I don't know, of all the things I just wouldn't have thought there was kind of stigma around freezing your eggs. Is there? I don't know. I, I didn't, I like, I didn't know, Vogue Sister had done it maybe it's something you don't publicize you don't kind of announce it you're not going to have a party for freezing your eggs but there's obviously definitely more women doing it than I thought there was because several women I knew had done it and I didn't know they'd done it
1: and why was it something that you were mulling over in your head because I'm 38
2: and I'm single and I have a job that's at the moment like isn't it's kind of taken off rather than slowing down so if I was to have I could I don't I couldn't have a baby now what would I do with it like I'd have to keep it in a box in the green room like I couldn't have it and I don't know if I want one or if I don't want one but I don't definitely not want one I'm very undecided I'm in limbo about the whole thing so freezing your eggs feels like a bit of insurance I guess like something you can do to just take the stress out of it for the moment you know and maybe defrost
1: them at 85 or something (laughs) (laughs) and what do you know about the the procedure or like what do they tell you do they say 38 is the optimum time for egg retrieval or you know do you know any of that stuff
2: well actually because I did a documentary years ago um called baby hater And I remember having all this kind of fertility tested and stuff. And they were saying the optimal age is, of course, in your 20s. It's like it's it's you mentioned Botox. It's kind of like Botox. I'm not. Look, I'm not going to I'm not an ambassador for Botox. But like they say, the earlier you start, the better, which look, I don't necessarily agree for your face. But apparently it is true for your eggs, because obviously your eggs lose. (laughs) What's the word? What am I trying to say? There's Joie de Vivre. They're joie de vivre. <laughs> they do, they lose, don't they? They lose power. They lose power. Yeah, they lose power. So, like, oh, of, of course, you're better off freezing an egg that is more powerful, which is in your 20s. But in your 20s, you're not thinking about it. But I, but interestingly, I think is, things are changing and the generation of women below us are going to start thinking about it as something to do for their future rather than what I'm doing as a kind of a last ditch attempt at having a child whereas i think it'll start being that women in their 20s will start freezing eggs and embryos because culturally we're very different to previous generations but biologically we're the same so while we might not want to have kids and settle down until we're in our 40s maybe because we're working and we're career women and all that jazz our bodies are the same so you kind of have to make allowances for that i guess
1: And I remember that documentary really well. Um, Do you think the conversation has changed since then? So that was 2018. Have we started to talk a little bit differently now about the possibility of of not having kids and for that to be okay? that it's still a fulfilling life? I mean, a lot of people were saying to you around that time, you'll change your mind, come on. And like trying to kind of, Convince you otherwise, which, you know, as I recall, you were saying, I'm 80% certain I don't. So I, I still don't know. And people were still coming at you with stuff. Well, they weren't. Do you have kids? I have two. What age are your kids? So my kids are eight and 10, like my choice, love my family, hashtag blessed, all of that genuinely. But mm. so much of my life decisions now from how I spend my time, how I spend my money, and yeah. everything in between puts them first and has to put them first it's not easy to do it all or have it all and I know Mm. that's a fallacy anyway but I used to I'll be really honest before I had kids if there were people and I know there's people that go on fertility journeys and can't have kids and that is a really tough thing to have to face but I used to think I'd feel sorry for people without kids I know I had kids Joanne and there's Just as much of a fulfilling life, if not more so without the kids. I've got the kids um, and I know that the people that can travel when they want, sleep when they want, give all of themselves to their careers when they want. That is equally as fulfilling, if not in some ways, more so than doing the family thing.
2: That's so interesting that you say that, because I remember growing up, I had an aunt, uh, Joan, who never had Kids and never married, right? And I remember because all our, my, all my mother, all her other siblings were married and had kids. And I remember even as a child kind of feeling sorry for her, like she had missed out on something, even though she lived this very glamorous life where she was like working in Africa and like wearing pearls and fur jackets, which of course she wouldn't be wearing now, but like she just had this glamorous life but still I was conditioned even as a child to feel sorry for her like she was lacking something and I think I had a touch of that as well I I, I thought if I don't have kids people will feel sorry for me and I, I was like god I don't want people to feel sorry for me but like you say the elder I get and the more I see around of my friends and family having kids and stuff I'm like it's it doesn't always look that appealing anymore actually really
1: And uh, I mean, I've said in my introduction earlier on in the show that freezing your eggs is hedging your bets. Is that safe to say? Is that a a fair assumption for me to make of you? You haven't made a full decision, but at least they're there. Have you thought through, you know, if I do meet somebody that I decide, yes, I'm going to have kids with this person, that's when I'll pull the eggs out of the freezer. Or (laughs) would you go alone? Or you know what I mean? Have you thought through all the what way it'll go you know those little timelines that people do and if you do this you'll go into that little box and then you'll move on to this have you thought about all of that would you do it on your own
2: I love the way you're saying pull them out of the freezer like they're a waffle you're like <laughs> a lad comes back to the gaff you're like hold on I've got drinks in the fridge hold on I've got eggs in the freezer What my just eggs close the
0: door my, my <laughs> eggs are in there
2: <laughs> um honestly uh, I don't think I would do it on my own um I don't think I'd do it on my own. I I think I'm like a lot of women and men, probably. When I'm in a relationship, when I'm in love with someone, I'm dying to have their kid. When I'm not in a relationship, I kind of lose interest in it. So I know some of my friends are determined to have kids, whether they're in a relationship or not, whether they're single, whatever. Whereas my desire to have kids is based around being in love with someone else, which I'm sure, you know, is, textbook hormonal stuff um but no I don't think I do it on my own it's too hard I yeah. don't want I don't want it enough to do it on my own I'm you- I'd look ideally I'd adopt a 25 year old Parisian girl and we would just chill and smoke marble <laughs> on a balcony somewhere and I'd be like call me mama and that would be that would be the dream
1: what do you know about the procedure then i mean have you in hormone injections on the way ready for egg retrieval and all that kind of thing
2: well so therapy in fairness i've i've well i've never worked with therapy before but like obviously they've been lasering me for years and they're very sound and very informative and their vibe which i am always on board with is like five star five star service
1: with two star cost
2: Which, in fairness, is what they do.
1: So, Champagne lifestyle, seven-up budget. I've been living by that for years.
2: Li- literally my life. I've won a pair of <laughs> glasses, but I eat little tuna day in and day out. Like, this is what I live by. <laughs> this is, like, there could never be a more appropriate collab. Um. So what do I know about this the procedure itself? Nothing when I went into it, to be honest. I was like, so how do you freeze them? Do you just blast them? I didn't know. Um. But they're very informative and they they like tell you how you go and also like you go in you get your bloods done and um, I asked Dr. John is the, the doctor in there it's like what's the crack with like kind of downtime recovery time it's basically a two week it's two weeks from start to finish from like the second you get your blood test to being back at work it's two weeks
1: and you've got a really busy schedule at the minute so are you going to be bringing hormones with you for injecting are you ready that this could be a bit of a hormone <laughs> roller coaster to go alongside the prosecco express is it going to be okay <laughs>
2: <laughs> well claire i can't i can't answer that at this stage of the i haven't taken the hormones yet um I, like i did ask your man actually i was like what's the crack of the hormones like do you go mental and he was like obviously there are situations no like it's like taking anything of course there are situations where people it's extreme but like no like it's it seems I've spoken to women who've frozen their eggs and none of them have reported any hormonal madness so I'm going on that
1: And this is the thing. I mean, aren't we living with bouts of hormonal madness our whole lives? The minute our cycle kicks in, whether it's taking the pill, not taking the pill, whatever is going on, people on fertility journeys, you just crack on with it don't you and if nothing else it'll give you incredible podcast and stand-up content
2: and I don't even think it's
1: hormonal madness
2: like I've always had this thing where I'm like it's just your body it's just your cycle nothing's more like you're not madder in one stage than the other it's just your body reacting to what's going on inside you
1: yeah and it's all for one reason well you are listening to Alive and Kicking here on News Talk with Claire McKenna, and I'm talking to Joanne McNally about becoming an ambassador for therapy <laughs> fertility. We will take a, go I on. Thought you, I
2: thought you were going to say becoming a mother, and I was like, I have not defrosted me, yet, Claire. Calm down. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the new Mother Teresa, Joanne McNally. <laughs> we will take a quick break. Welcome back to Alive and Kicking here on News Talk, where I'm joined by Joanne McNally. She is an ambassador now for Therapy Fertility, and we've been talking about freezing your eggs. I have one final question that I'm sure you've asked. Where do they go? I know I joke that you're gonna be in your freezer, I, but where I do they live?
2: I asked them. So they live in a freezer in Lochlandstown. <laughs> as <far> as well. <laughs> Dundrumtown <laughs> and center claire that's where my eggs are living no i actually i did ask them but there's like they have some they have a freezer right there i don't know i mean
1: too funny I I mean at what point is it right to tell the person you're dating that you've got eggs in (laughs) Lockheedstown? I don't have the I don't have the coordinates but like (laughs) they 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 look after them yeah on a one night stand you're like let's get
2: a taxi past my eggs just you know what's coming (laughs) like we could just blast them here with a microwave no I don't know they live somewhere within within the clinic I trust them I trust them
1: Well, look, I love that you're talking about this and, you know, it it should be more normalised, but it's very much what you do, particularly on the podcast with Vogue Williams. It's very honest, very normal conversations. And it's just so nice to hear a true representation of what girl chat is like, jumping from, kardashians to cosmetic procedures to what's going on in the ukraine and and (laughs) dating and having a bit of crack along the way that's what it's like (laughs) it's so funny i just i
2: just recorded a pod there with vogue and we were talking about russia and then she was trying to talk about her jewelry and i was like so are we done with russia now we're just we've just set we've just jumped into your jewelry so like yeah it is it's a roller coaster
1: (laughs) did you do your gig in russia or is that still to come? No, that's still to come. We're going to Moscow. Yeah, big in big in Russia. Well, you're big everywhere. I mean No, Claire. Sorry, just to be clear
2: now. I'm not I'm I'm nothing in Russia. I've been booked okay. to do it. I've been booked as part of a festival lineup there. But it's not like the Russians are going, we need Joanne McNally. Like that's not the case.
1: <laughs> well, they're in a minority because you know, the holy grail for a a, a comic is to sell out Vicker Street. You've done that. London has flown, and now you've put SSE Arena in Belfast. On, mm. um, I mean, how does that feel when things really start to kick off the way they are now? Do you get a chance to enjoy it? Is this the the goal you were getting to, and when you get there, how does it feel? It feels
2: great, like. It's 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 like any job, I guess. You're just kind of working, and and then seeing sometimes things will pop up, and you're like, "Oh, great! I've done that now, or I've done that now." And then you kind of just work towards the next thing. So it's not like I'm sitting in my mum's gaff in a bath of champagne, congratulating myself all day. I'm just kind of focusing on the next thing, and also I feel slightly removed from it, and that doesn't mean that I'm not enjoying it. But like I've been doing it for since I think 2017 was my first gig. So I'm just so lucky. At you know what, right? To be honest, lockdown was, I actually did quite well out of lockdown because if it wasn't for lockdown, I wouldn't have done podcasts. And if I hadn't have done podcasts, I wouldn't be gigging like I am now. So I just got lucky, really, to be honest.
1: Yeah, it's just a good way for somebody to get into people's ears and for them to hear you being funny being yourself and then they want to see you in stand-up and I would not have thought of a podcast as, as that route necessarily. I know like I think when I talked to
2: like I was talking I did um, Tommy Tiernan's show chatting for ages and he's so sound but like back in the day um, there was only one way of building an audience and it was through gigging or doing the late late that was it there was nothing else there was nothing else and I get to get into the ears of these people just sitting in my house or like going into a studio with Vogue in London. And it's just, it's just brilliant. I'm very lucky, very lucky. I feel very lucky. I really do.
1: Well, you have worked really hard for it. I've gone to many a comedy gig and you've been there as the MC, which I think is actually the toughest gig because so much of it is off the cuff and you're just an absolute genius at it. So look, you've worked, you know, the, the harder you work, the luckier you get. That's what they say. And you certainly have done that and are you minding yourself as your schedule gets busy because I'd imagine that it's actually really hard to keep a handle on it and keep control and make sure you're having days off and make sure you're eating well and sleeping well which you kind of need for a busy schedule
2: yeah I'm not great at that stuff
1: um but I've I've people to remind me to do it
2: basically when the when the tour started kind of kicking off I just said yes to absolutely everything and in hindsight I, I maybe should have uh not done that but like i'm grand i'm young i'm healthy i'll be fine i sage i have a crystal that i bought from london so i'm just rubbing that relentlessly
1: <laughs> the sage will sort you out sage, sorts sage out was- everything and the two-year-old crystal i think claire will probably be the same grace <laughs> well joanne continued success good luck with the egg freezing and um yeah take care of yourself mind yourself I think any of us who hear you talk about I don't know like having a panic attack or freezing, we're like mind yourself Joanne will somebody just give Joanne a mammy dinner and a big hug Uh, because yeah we need you we need you to make us laugh so stay safe stay strong and good luck with the egg freezing thank you Claire to find out more about tour dates for Joanne and tickets, go to Joanne McNally Comedy on Instagram. And for more on Therapy Fertility, go to therapyfertility.com. So that's it for Alive and Kicking for this week. My thanks to my producer, John Fardy, and to Jojo Cordoza, who was on sound. And thanks to you for listening. I will see you next week.